The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover! Step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960theref.com. All right, it is the crossover podcast here on 960theref.com. Of course, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, and uh, you know we'll just show up in your podcast listening device of uh, choice whenever we uh, pop up with a new episode. I am uh, Chris Brain from the home team, David Johnston from the morning show, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, uh, as always, in Watkinsville, but now open at their new location in Five Points. So now uh, more than just one place to go and enjoy. Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. And we thank them for uh, sponsoring the Crossover Podcast. A couple good things to dive into today. We'll talk some Georgia baseball with the regular season now over. And the SEC tournament starts uh, this week. And then it'll be on to regional play next week. Uh, Georgia football gets another big verbal commitment. Florida's got guys going to the portal. And uh, Georgia just keeps reeling in uh, uh, prime uh, prime recruits. This one, too, from the state of Florida, Jalen Carter. We'll get into that. And also, uh, I guess the deadline is looming for Nick Claxton to decide whether he's going to stay in the, the NBA draft or come back to Georgia. The combine was last week, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, that as uh, well. But, uh, Dave, I guess we'll um, – I guess we got to start what Georgia football over baseball or baseball because that's kind of like the higher priority right now. Well, I guess either way, it doesn't matter to me. I guess by the time folks are listening to this podcast, the SEC baseball tournament will be underway. Yeah, I don't want to speak for the two broadcasters, but by the time people listen to this podcast, they might hope they're already at home from the <laughs> SEC tournament. One maybe more so than the other. But uh, I would like to see, I think the way it's set up now, the way Georgia's got their pitching set up right now, and again, we're recording this on Tuesday, yeah. so uh, keep that in mind. I wish we could uh, you know, predict the future. Sometimes we can, but the way Georgia's pitching is set up, if Tim Elliott will go and, and pitch well tomorrow, Wednesday, and then you got Cole Wilcox Thursday, and then if you're still playing Friday – You'd have Tony Lowe seeing Saturday, Emerson, Hancock. At least the way the pitching is set up, you don't have to crush your pitching staff if you're George. And Tony Losey said something to us that I hadn't really thought about, too, is if Georgia did go two and out, he and Hancock wouldn't face any live hitting this weekend, and he'd rather obviously face a team. Now, they would come back to Athens and they would pitch, but it's still not the same thing if you're pitching you know, at sure. Foley Field to teammates as opposed to pitching at the SEC tournament in, in Hoover. So I, I, I'm not pulling for an 0-2, but I don't want to see the pitching staff get crushed and then have to turn around and and, and, and play in a regional the following weekend. Right. I mean, at this point now, we know Georgia with uh, sets a school record for SEC wins at 21. They finish a game out of first for the, uh, for the overall regular season conference championship. There's nothing in doubt now as far as hosting a regional, which really hasn't been in doubt for the last month and a half. Uh, maybe the super regional and a national seed was still hanging out there going into the last two weekends of play, but Georgia went 5-1 and one against Auburn and uh, in Alabama so 
now you're talking about maybe it's just a matter of how high your seed gets, but Georgia's going to have a chance to, to stay at Foley Field to get to the College World Series, and that's all you want no matter what happens this weekend. Yeah. Now, whether they lose two or win the whole thing. so And remember, the Dogs last year won 18 conference games and then lost two games in the SEC tournament and still got a top eight national seed. This year, 21-9. and nine. I don't think it matters what happens this week at the SEC tournament. Georgia's still getting a top eight national seed. So it's just a matter of could it be a four or five or might it be a six or a seven, which has to do with you know who you'd be matched up with on the other side. I'm kind of like Jeff, though. I've got this weird feeling that the committee's going to have like Georgia as a seven and Tech as a ten or eight and nine or something like that. I just assume Tech get a top eight national seed also. Then you don't have to worry about playing them until – Potentially, you got to Omaha if you are lucky enough to get that far. And the ACC tournament, they do theirs. I don't know. Have you looked at their the way they do their tournament? I've it seen is in bizarre. the past. It's the they do pods, right? They do. They've got four different pods. So they got four different groups of three. So you play the other two teams in your group. Yeah, and then whoever wins that, like Group A, Group B, B C, and D. If you win Group A you're automatically in the semifinals to play the winner of Group B, and then whoever wins that game is in the championship. Yeah, it's like the World Cup. It is. Yeah. It is a lot like Which, the World Cup. I will say at least the teams going there are guaranteed. They know they're playing two games. Right. Because it's tough this SEC. The the Tuesday round is just you're, you're making this trip to Birmingham, and you might be turning right back around and going home. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I guess I see the the plus there of at least the teams knowing they've got two games and they're not. It doesn't feel like a completely wasted effort or right. uh, or trip to go. But right. the thing about this SEC tournament now is it's it's double elimination unless it isn't, which would be this first round. And then if you get to Saturday, all of a sudden it's like, well, congratulations, yeah. you haven't lost a game yet. But if you lose today, you're eliminated. So the SEC tournament, and I think a couple of the other big time conferences use the same format. It's a, it's a single elimination, and then it's a double elimination, and then it's a single elimination. Right. Like, yeah. pick one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, ACC... at least when you get to the weekend, it's not one of those where, like, if you lost, you'd have to turn around and play again that day or something like that. Yeah. Like, the ACC pod would probably – if unless you're just going to do a straight tur- single elimination tournament, which would probably be prefer- the, the sure. number one preference, probably that pod system would be – like the second best because at yeah, least you are guaranteed. The more I look at it, it doesn't. It looks crazy at first, but the more I think about it, I I kind of see what they're doing. Yeah, because you are at least where I don't know if you're like South Carolina and you've had a terrible season and you just you made it in there on the last day of this the year. Yeah. Like they're probably going there, and by the time you're listening to this, they're probably already home in Columbia. But at least they could <laughs> feel like, well, we're gonna have two games there anyway. And least. I guess I didn't check, but I'm assuming. Because they were in Starkville this past weekend, I'm assuming once they knew they were that they had clinched a spot in the tournament in the SEC tournament, they probably just went straight to Birmingham. Yeah, they might have. I don't think they went all the way back to Columbia. Yeah, schools out. Now, yeah, schools so. out. So I guess they didn't at least travel all the way up there for that. Right. The, the the thing with Georgia though is like they've got the pitching to win a tournament like this. Yeah. So that's I mean that is one thing Georgia's never won the SEC tournament. So I guess it would be neat to do that, and I mean, you would hate it to maybe 
grinds you up for the the following weekend in regional play. But you know, if I was well, look. I've look, heard you mention this too, and I think it's it's. And I wanted to ask your opinion on it because you went back and looked at what the last ten or fifteen tournaments and how the team that won fared in the postseason. Yeah, and you had LSU as an example of what they've won six. SEC tournaments. They've won six of the last ten, so six. they might be a bad example. Because but just... I was going to say, is that more about LSU or is that more about the 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 stat in itself? Yeah, to me, that's where it just probably says more about LSU. Yeah, but even like the so Florida was an example. Let me see if I could pull it up here. Because um, you said LSU's won six of the last ten SEC tournaments, and how many times did they get to Omaha in those six years? Four. Okay, and twice they were the runner-up, and once they won it all. Right. Um, I mean, that's pretty good, and it goes to show you that it didn't crush their pitching staff. But my question to you was going to be: Does that say more about the depth of their pitching staff, or is that just? Would you say in general it doesn't matter either way? I, I think it's just where we're. T- it's LSU, and yeah. we know like they're because like an exa- So Mississippi State won it in 2012. They lost in a regional. Florida, Florida's won it twice in 11 and 15. They went to Omaha both times and were the runner-up once. And they and they're generally strong in pitching. Yeah, and then A and M won it in 16, and they lost in a super regional. Uh, Vandy in 07 won it, lost in a regional. So, I mean, honestly. Did Ole Miss win it last year? Uh, or did they? I'm trying to remember. Well, you know, that's the. I'm looking in the SEC media guide right now, and this, <laughs> they only have 2017. They in didn't there. bother to put 2018 in no. there. No. I think you're right. Ole Miss did win it last year. But, like, that's, that's where you also. What, what was Ole Miss going into the thing anyway? Like, were they. Because we. Let's see. Georgia was the was Georgia the four, and then lost, and then turned around and played Ole Miss, and that was that crazy game that ended with the pitcher throwing it over the catcher's head. Yes, and I don't I don't remember what the seedings were. Uh, yeah, because they had that stud like closer, Karachi. Yeah, Parker Karachi. And they still have him. Yeah, but he was the one that that did that. But I think. That's how I have to go see what their their postseason run ended up being. Yeah, I don't remember it either. But then I guess prior to the LSU run, look, South Carolina won at no four. They went to Omaha, uh, but like Vandy, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and five, six, and seven did not. So, so like, the question is, does it matter or not? It seems like it doesn't matter for LSU, but maybe it matters for <laughs> everyone else. That's what I was getting at. That's what I was thinking. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's probably if you're if you have a really good team, which uh, Georgia does, and they're going to be hosting a regional and a super regional. I guess it would take back to, you know, we'd have to go back and ask. So, in 2016, A&M lost in a super regional. Were they hosting that or was that on the road? So, I right. don't know. Right off the top of my head. Um I mean, the location, location, location might have a lot to do I with it, too. It has a ton to do with I it. I just think, like, this Georgia team is – they're built for success in a format like this, and they could turn around, and they're built for success in certainly a, a regional format, and then you get to a super, and that's just a standard two-out-of-three weekend, which uh, Georgia seems to have been built for success in those since they won uh, 21 games this year in the, uh, in the SEC and then won every one of its weekend series leading into conference play, too. By the way, Ole Miss last year won the tournament, and then now it's all coming back to me. They had some horrible rain 
in Oxford, which kind of messed things up with Tennessee Tech, who ended up winning that regional. Yeah, but that was the team like you knew that we knew they were good. They led the the country in hitting and stuff. That was the team you did not want to get paired up with. Yeah, so okay, I mean, you could say did winning the SEC tournament crush Ole Miss, or the fact that they just got a bad draw there with a two seed that honestly could have been hosting a regional in their own right. Yeah, I think maybe a little bit of both, but certainly the fact that they had maybe a strong a number two seed that you could have that maybe wasn't from one of the major conferences yeah I think this is a season though where the as as painful as that that Monday was last year losing two games to Duke and and having the season come to an end enough of those guys that are on this year's team that that might end up being a negative that turns into a positive that those guys are kind of out for you know, vengeance now and not wanting to have their season end the way it did last year. Because last year it was a great team too, obviously, and they ended up having one bad day. Yeah. And unfortunately it was the last day of the year. My thing too with this team compared to last year though is that I think this team has that belief that, hey, we're good enough. We, we've done it two years in a row. We're good enough to, to know that we belong up here. Where last year's team – it like the season. It was kind of a surprise season. You know what I mean? Yeah. There had been what under Coach Strickland four straight losing seasons, and then all of a sudden they just took off last year. So there was still a little bit of that element of trying to find their way. But I don't get the feeling with that team this year. Plus the the starting pitching this year, and last year wasn't bad, but it's gone to another level this year. Yeah. Well, and this year's team has been strong from the beginning. Like you mentioned, last year's team looked like they were heading for potentially another losing season right. after that that weekend in Charleston. Right. Right. But that was the moment where all of a sudden it turned. It turned. And Although it is kind of weird that they beat the Citadel last year with a four, coming off a four game losing streak and beat the Citadel this year coming off a four game losing streak. It's yeah. bizarre. Well, hey, I got Thank you, you Citadel. If you got a losing streak, schedule the Citadel. Ske- schedule the Citadel, but yeah, I just I think this year feels a little bit different. Not to say that you know, they couldn't get upset in a regional or super regional. Baseball's quirky for You the don't know who's coming. Baseball's quirky. Yeah. Yeah, so but I think there is that sense with these guys that there's a little bit of a uh, point to prove after not getting out of the regional last year and just just that sense of confidence that, that that not that they weren't confident last year, but again, it was like they were kind of new to the party. And this year, it feels like they're part of the party planners. Yeah, I thought like the 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 sweep of Alabama was a was an encouraging sign because that was a weekend where you could have had a team that's like we know what our status is. Yeah, we're a long shot to win the league because at that point they were two games behind Vandy. Right. But to go out there and really, I mean, have maybe its most impressive weekend of the year like Jeff and I were saying we'll take 30 to 7 over Alabama (laughs) in a couple of months but um so by the way Alabama's golf team came to Athens for the regional and Alabama's baseball team came to Athens last week for bait for the for the three-game series Georgia got 47 hits against Bama in the baseball series and beat the Bama golf team by 47 shots in the regional now how weird is that yeah, that's pretty impressive. I'll take a 47-point win <laughs> know, right now in exactly. the uh, in Can Atlanta. we do it in football? Yeah, um, I'll definitely take that. Yeah. So we'll have uh, next week on the podcast, I guess we'll know the regional and be able to talk about that. And uh, yeah, but that's you never know what the draw you're going to get. I remember one day looking at, uh, at old College World Series and 
There was one from the 70s, and Ohio was in the College World Series. And I was like, well, I guess they must have had a guy. I looked it up. I'm like, yeah, they had Mike Schmidt. <laughs> so, and I'm assuming he pitched? I, I, yes, he pitched and did yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, how did Ohio get to the College World Series in the 70s? Oh, well, they had a guy. So who, like, you never know. I mean, Georgia, you could see like Connecticut coming here or something like, oh, Connecticut. What's, what's their story? And like, well, 10 years from now, it might turn out that they've got some dude, you know? You it happens. Know. Yeah. It happens. All right, it's the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. If you're listening on demand at 960theref.com, of course, subscribe to us as well on iTunes. We'll uh, take a quick little break here, and then we'll come back. We'll talk Georgia football with the newest verbal commitment, Jalen Carter, at a uh, definitely a, a big-time position, four-star defensive tackle, and uh, we'll mention Nick Claxton, too, post-NBA Combine now, which I never even knew existed until Kevin Durant went to it and like was only able to do one bench press rep. <laughs> and somehow there were some people that thought that meant he was going to be a flop in the NBA. All right, Crossover Podcast, Chris and Dave with you here on 960theref.com. True Italian food has returned to Five Points and brought some friends along because Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is now open in Five Points, Athens. At the new Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, you'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to calzones and baked ziti, along with sandwiches, salads, wings, and more, plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. It's time to eat at the now open Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen at Five Points in Athens and also in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. Episode 88, we roll on the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. Uh, as always in Watkinsville, but also now, the brand new location in Five Points is open. Uh, so Georgia picked up another big verbal commitment in football earlier in the uh, week. Jalen Carter, four-star defensive tackle out of uh, Apopka, Florida. And reading about his backstory, too, one thing I like, and I think the uh, the same can be said about uh, a freshman on this year's team now, Trayvon Walker. I like these guys that are defensive tackles, and you hear like oh, they're stud basketball players, too. Mm-hmm. What, you're saying they were good athletes? Yes, I like those guys that, you know, especially at like a position like defensive tackle, they're going to be, you know, fleet of foot. They're going to have, uh, you know, maybe a sweet little spin move or something, be able to get past those O-linemen. So just a big get at a position that I, I've been taking notes from that national championship game, watching Clemson and Alabama and saying, all right, what do these two teams have that Georgia doesn't? There's only one thing to me, and that was just those defensive lines. And that's the one yeah. spot for Georgia that still is uh, is not up to par with the rest of the team or with those two teams. But I think Kirby's obviously Kirby's aware of it, and hopefully we're working our way closer to that now. Well, yeah, looking at Carter six four three zero one, Jamil Burrow six three three twenty, and then you got what Nazir Stackhouse, who's six four, close to three hundred pounds. This is what we're talking about with how teams are going to win national championships. Georgia's elevated itself to that, hey, we're almost there level. But don't you think, you know, it's easy to look back on and say this now, Clemson won the national championship almost. Now, Trevor Lawrence is is good, don't get me wrong. But when all those defensive linemen came back, yeah, that, that all of a sudden it was probably the difference in putting them over the top versus – 
teams that had good defensive lines but not great defensive lines. And I made this joke this morning on our morning show. I think if you had 85 uh, of your 85 scholarships, if 84 of them were either defensive or offensive linemen and you had like a kicker, you could still win six games. It's like it's like that. It's that important. If you at least have get any to a quarterbacks or receivers or running backs, you'd still win six games you could just because you're bo- dominant on the yeah. line. You get bowl eligible. <laughs> you can very, at least yeah. get bowl eligible. At the but that's how minimum. I just think how big of a deal this is, and we've seen it the last couple of years with the way George has recruited on the offensive line. For whatever reason, that interior portion of the defensive line has been. George is kind of bugaboo in recruiting, but it's, it seems like now with some of these names that are coming in here, and apparently Carter, you know, he's a four-star right now. This is a guy that could be graded up to a five-star, so he is a huge, huge deal for this class of 2020. Well, and he announced his final three was Georgia, Bama, and Clemson. Right, like, right, okay. And, yeah. and then immediate, but then right, right after that, all of a sudden he said Georgia, right? It was yeah. like hardly any weight. No, he tweeted, I'm 100% committed yeah. to Georgia. Yeah, So. Which I like. That's how commitments happen now, just on uh, Twitter.com. Exactly. But, uh, hey, we'll take it for sure. And, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the one spot. I think back to the 1-8-1-8 and that national championship game and the, the guy for Alabama that I wish wasn't on that team was Deron Payne, even more so than Tua, yeah. who came in and saved the day. Because we just – I mean, Gilliard was a really good center. And I mean, so good that Ed Ogeron said he was the best center he had ever watched on tape last year. And right. he he was, I mean, he just looked like it was a, a peewee level football compared to having to block Deron Payne. Then they replace him with Quinnen Williams, who ends up getting drafted higher, going third overall. And then we know the pipeline they're running now at uh, at Clemson, and somehow getting those guys to come back to school because everywhere else, like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is insanely good. But there was no quarterback in the country better than Fromm post-LSU last year. Right. Not even the two guys that finished 1-2 in the Heisman race. Yeah. So, you know, we got Swift. We've got the O-line. Uh, I think we're – I feel confident about the, the linebackers and the secondary. But um, – and I don't think like, – we're not bad up front. I think those are good players. <laughs> Georgia's got good players. We just don't have like a slew of first-round picks there. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, I know he was a bust in the pros, but the kind of season that, like, Jonathan Sullivan had here. Right. Um, You know, that kind – you know, what is it? Kirby always talks about creating havoc. Those kind of interior portion uh, linemen where, yes, they can take up space. They can stop the run, but they can also create havoc as well. And that's what we're talking about here, of recruiting those defensive tackles to another level. Sure. And there's, I mean, there was definitely in the tail end of last season when Jordan Davis got in there and started yeah. that you know I think he's got potential to definitely be a um, a big time star there. Trayvon Walker comes in. I was in, about to say him. Yeah, with a lot of hype. And then the other guys that have been here. I mean, there's, if there's one thing about our our front on defense is that's really the most experienced spot on the team. There's a ton of seniors there, um, and they're not bad players. It's just, I mean, let's. Be, there, there's no Dexter Lawrence or Christian Wilkins or Quinn and Williams type guy there right. yet. So right, but maybe they're those guys in the making. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. thing. I think. I mean, look. I mean, I don't think uh, you know Kirby would be in here yelling at us right now saying that. I think he's aware of it too, and that's why we've seen an uptick here in the uh, in the recruiting at that spot over the last uh, year or so. And finally, getting some of those guys who you know, think about Aubrey Solomon, Derek Brown that we just we kept missing on. Are you surprised Derek Brown came back? I guess because of all these other defensive 
linemen, I guess, that came that were in this class. Yeah, when you think about it, like he wouldn't have gone ahead of Quinn and Williams or Wilkins or Lawrence. Would he still been a top ten or top fifteen? He might have been. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. But I'm. I guess I'm still surprised that he came back. I am too, a little bit. I'm not going to be critical of it. I was just just surprised that he did come no back. i know because it's like well he's he's dumb he should have gone pro and got <laughs> yeah. paid. like well, he no he can do whatever yeah. he wants to do exactly. it might not be the decision i would have made exactly i'm not here to say that i'm just just a little surprised that he came back yeah but he did it it's like yeah. with uh what's his name now the uh zion williamson yeah i want to know like how many people that were saying that he should have quit playing at Duke last year after he got hurt are now also saying that he should just go back to Duke so he doesn't have to play at New Orleans? Yeah, <laughs> like playing for the Pelicans is the worst thing ever, or that yeah. you know because he's not going to the Knicks or the Lakers that he should come back and play another year for Duke. Yeah, like it might be because uh, Anthony Davis apparently doesn't want to be there anymore. But I know one thing: Zion Williamson will not be doing next year, and that's returning to yeah. Duke. He will not be playing any home games in Durham, North Carolina. No, he won't. He's going to be <laughs> playing for the Pelicans, whether he likes it or not. Now, here's a good question. Will Nick Claxton be playing home games in Athens, Georgia next year? I still don't think he will, no. Um, well, there was a good um, good story on ESPN.com a couple of days ago I think from I saw the Combine. Yeah. Risers, fallers, and I know. Yeah. more intel. And I they had that. Claxton as one of the risers, but, yeah, yep. but they also said he would be better off to come back as far as his draft stock potentially in other words right now he could be a late first rounder or a second rounder if he comes back he would have the chance to potentially be a lottery pick and he'd have the NBA scouts all over him all season long because of the Ant-Man right so could the dogs potentially have two lottery picks on the team I, I, yeah, if, I mean, I, I think, think that would be awesome. I think the Ant-Man definitely is. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just if potentially Claxton could come back and hone his skills and sharpen him another year in college and maybe be more, you know, more ready for the draft then, yeah. But that's the thing. The, the NBA, it's not like the NFL. Those guys, even in the late first round, they'll take a guy that they know is a project and be willing to just put and be patient with them. Stick him in the G League for a while, yeah. potentially. Yeah. But the thing about the NBA, though, is the first round, the guaranteed money, the second round, it's not, so it becomes different there as far as that goes. And yeah. I did see this same story. There was a mock draft in there, and they had Claxton going 41. Yeah, I saw a mock draft that had him. I've seen mock drafts that yeah. actually one had him going late first round, and then there's others that don't even have him exactly. in there at all. So. Yeah. so as a Georgia fan, would love to see him come back. And I'm still leaning that way. But my head's starting to say, well, there's a lot more to this than, oh, uh, he needs to gain a little bit more weight and that kind of thing. Because all it takes is one team to find you intriguing enough to think that you can do something on the next level. Well, and there were enough things in, in that story, too, about his combine performance yep. that it was like, well, he didn't do this well, but then he was doing this and he was doing that. And then one thing they mentioned, didn't he, like, miss nine free throws or something? Oh for 7. Oh for 7. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But he blocked 11 shots, <laughs> had four steals, switched on the perimeter seamlessly. He hit a three, a yeah, couple threes. Yeah, measured out really well. I know. But then in the end, it was like, but he'd be better off. But that was my... My devil's advocate play when we first talked about this a couple podcasts ago was 
in Claxton's mind, it could be like, do I want to come back and play with Edwards because he's the one going to be getting all the attention anyway? Mm-hmm. Or do I just go and... Or I does could... Edwards game up Claxton's game? It, yeah. He doesn't I... have to be as much of the point guard like he did this past year. He can play more of a normal position for himself. I don't know. Right. No, I mean, as a Georgia basketball fan, I see the the great potential of having those two guys play together, but I could also see the point of view from Claxton where it's like, well, yeah, but I'm kind of like the big deal now, but I won't be this uh, this winner. Yeah. Because it'll be, it'll be the Ant-Man. I like the sentence, too, that says, scouts are intrigued by his modern fit on the defensive end of the floor. His modern fit on the defensive end of the floor. Well, you know what it is? And it's the, you know, because there's been a lot of conversation about how Basically, this guy Steph Curry has made the the center just he's extinct now because yeah. those back to the basket centers are you know where they're really obsolete because you've just got a guy like Curry that is just jacking up threes from anywhere on the floor. I've read stuff about how if they want to get back to that with the bigger centers that they're going to have to move the three-point line out right yeah. but that's the thing we're so claxton is not a big guy he's 6 11 and he's not right. bulky or whatever but you don't have to be now and yeah. a guy like that could defend a guy like curry yeah exactly so the modern I, fit on I'm, the defensive end from the minute he he announced and he did so with that that note that he wrote I said he's he's gone. He's not coming back. And Chris Bream, I hope you're wrong. I, I do too, but I'm still sticking with that. I don't think he's coming back because I think he's just too – because he's good, and I could see where – yeah, I mean, I get where he's – maybe he could potentially improve his stock next season, but, I mean, who knows? Is I mean, is he going to get real – is he going to get any bulkier than he is now if that's like the biggest knock on him? I guess they can – put some weight on him that kind of thing but then would that hurt his game a little bit yeah i don't know and like the thing is is if he comes back i mean tom crean and georgia can't be thinking of it like well you know we'll we'll do what's best for you to get to the next level i mean we gotta you know tom crean's gotta worry about just winning games here for georgia and what's best for that it's like that guy that was knocking gus malls on about having a terrible offense and NFL scouts have no way of evaluating his quarterback. So, like, that ain't Malzahn's problem. (laughs) (laughs) No. Although you could say, well, that's how you track players is how they get to the next level. But Sure. I guess at a point where if Malzahn feels it's hurting him, then he needs to change. But at this point, like, if you can't evaluate my quarterbacks, that's a you problem. That's a you problem, exactly. I'm going to the Waffle House. Exactly. Um, All right, crossover podcast. That's a wrap. Episode number... 88. Dave is off to a Birmingham now where he might spend two days or he might spend the whole rest of the week. Just never know. You never know. Nope. But uh, we'll be back again next week. I guess at some point. Um, maybe a late week. Taping. Maybe a late week, yeah, but we'll be it back. Maybe a pre-regional taping. Yes. Yeah. We'll be back uh, at some point, though, next week, but uh, you just have to stay tuned. Just keep checking your uh, you know, iTunes Download us there, subscribe to us there, or you can listen anytime on demand at 960theref.com. Thanks to a fully loaded pizza kitchen, uh, as always in Watkinsville, but now their new location in Five Points in Athens. For uh, Dave from the Morning Show, I'm Chris from the Home Team. Before we go, I'll ask you one question. All right. You know, because you're going to miss Jeff for the next few days. Do you think we can beat Tech? 
Uh, yeah. Okay. In all football. Right. We're all talking right. football. football. Yes, in yeah. football. In baseball, too, I think we okay. will. Okay. Yeah. Right. I think sure. we are going to beat Tech. Though. All right. Now we can travel a little easier. Yeah. They should be awful this fall. No problems there. It's the Crossover Podcast, episode 88, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.